Begin transmission. Transmission. The Frontline Gaming Network presents Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. The Frontline Gaming Network presenting Art of War with Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Hello and welcome to the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, John, and joining us this week, all the way from the land down under, is the one and only Mitchell to tell us all about his Slanishi demons and Emperor's children. Uh, joining me, always as always on the podcast, is the one and only Nick Nanavati, the veritable Tom Brady of Warhammer 40k. That's never going to get old, or maybe it has already, who knows? Um, and he's going to help us break down the discussion. Uh, Nick, why don't you go ahead, introduce Mitchell, and let's get started. Sure thing. Mitchell's been on our podcast once before after he and his team, who were Art of War sponsored, won the Western Australian Team Championship. And now he's back at it again with some more chaos, weirdness, Mark Perry style, Emperor's Children and Keepers of Secrets, trying to uh, explain how he won the Western Australian GT. How are you doing, Mitchell? Hey, Nick. Uh, hey, John. Uh, good to be back. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure it, having you. It's great to have you back. And just as a, I guess, a friendly... Notification for new listeners. This is part one of our two-part podcast. In part one, we'll go through basically everything that went into Mitchell's list, why he put it there, what are the things he considered, and what the overall strategy is. You can think about it as sort of a macro discussion. And in part two, which is only available to patrons or through the Art of War website, um, there we'll get into the nitty-gritty details of optimal play with the list, and what we'll actually talk about you know basically all the you can think about it as a micro discussion you know all the minor decisions that are really important when playing the list in certain matchups and that kind of thing okay mitchell let's talk about your list you want to just go through it but actually let's do it a little bit different this time let's talk about what the inspiration for the list was like what was your overall thought process when you were putting this together what what sort of what what got you going Okay, so I'll go. I'll go. It came to me in a dream. No, I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, the um, the so it's a bit of a weird one. Um, I've been playing around with uh, obviously Heretic Astarte since the beginning of Ninth Edition. Um, uh, Chaos Marines are my favorite thing in all of 40k. So, and I've got a, a lot of different stuff to do and play around with and choose from. So, um, uh, the Emperor's Children aspect of the army in terms of particularly noise marines um i'm relatively established with and i've been playing for a while um and obviously we know the boogeyman that is keepers of secrets and and arguably just elements of codex chaos demons in general at the moment um and even though i've dabbled in it a little bit uh there there'd been i hadn't really uh done full demon lists or incorporated large aspects of them like with chaos marines more just out of a sense of uh cool i already know that that is good so let's see let's see what i how far i can push mono chaos space marines or equivalents um the inspiration essentially for the list was something that i had already been playing around with but was always afraid that you would essentially cannibalize command points from each other. Um, the the Emperor's Children aspect of the army, which we'll get into, um, is not is very very CP hungry. Um, and things like exalted keepers with um, exalted traits and various relics that you might want to give them 
I managed obviously purchasing the extra detachments and not having any ability to really regain CP or refund CP or anything like that, um, I felt could be a little taxing. Um, but the list kind of just started to come together. I was like, you know what? I, ironically, I was going to take chaos nights and kind of just throw this event and just have some, have some fun with it. Um, see how far I could push them. But about a week before list submission, this started to kind of come together in my mind. And I was like, no, I think this actually might have legs. Um, and let's see how far I can push it. Awesome. Well, that's super cool. Uh, really exciting to see some some oddball chaos list actually bringing home the gold here. And like you said, you took some some facets that are well known. I think the Empress Children Noise Marines people are at least aware of what they do. And then um, the Keeper and Shalaxi, those are just awesome monsters mm-hmm. uh, in today's day and age. So I guess let's start off with just top to bottom what your list is, and then we'll take it from there. Cool, cool. I'll start, I'll start with the Demon Attachment. Um because it is slightly larger than the Marine Detachment. Um, uh, it's a it's Shalaxi Hellbane, uh, so the named Keeper of Secrets, um, a Keeper, an Exalted Keeper, uh, with a Living Whip, uh, no additional relics. Uh, both have the Hysterical Frenzy Psychic Power, just it's, why would you leave home without it? An extra pilot in the Psychic Face is great. Um, the one with, oh, and Shalaxi has the... Uh, uh, Shining Aegis, the the feel no pain um, uh, item. The it's then, uh, and then they've got Symphony of Pain and and Delightful Agonies. It, psyche power wise, it doesn't really matter. You it, they they don't cast that much. Uh, there's then three units of twenty demonets, each with an instrument of chaos. Um, a pair, two units, uh, two units of two fiends of Slanesh, uh five Slanesh Furies. And then going into the Empress Children Detachment, we have uh, Lucius the Eternal, a Sorcerer with Warp Time and Prescience, a Dark Apostle with two Dark Disciples and the Remnant of the Maravigilia, 19 Noise Marines with uh, Sonic Blasters, Blast Masters, uh, two Blast Masters, and an Icon of Excess. And then to make that a battalion and legal, there's 10 Cultists and 17 Cultists in two separate units. Owl with auto guns, and that's the army. Beautiful. So, two keepers, a huge noise beam brick, and sixty demons, along with some other junk. So, <clears throat> I can totally see the keepers are powerful noise brain shoot a lot. But how does it play together? What is the core strategies to this list? So having uh, coming from from where I was coming from, having played with a large noise marine brick, or uh, even say a little bit Mark Perry style, like uh, units of paired units in rhinos, uh, and like the smaller one two punch version of them, um, range twenty four is not bad. Uh, assault weapons that they can advance and fire, and warp time and fire, and and like like their 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 threat range is good. But I find was finding that having that it's not necessarily even about uh target saturation i guess it's more um being able to like actually reach out and put pressure on any part of the board in multiple phases of the game um i thought would be a really really good way to support each other um you see and like even at the events you see every now and then people try to run like a monster mash keeper army um which in like like if it's good take a lot of it uh it's necessarily bad uh, but I find it can be a little um, a little polarizing if your opponent has the tools to deal with the keeper of secrets, which like do yeah, I out there, that. They, they can deal with four. 
um, something that they then really start to struggle with. Um, I found, uh, ironically, not even not even necessarily using my list because that's kind of was part of the point was to get around this. But having whenever I've been playing against two or three keepers, I haven't really needed to play against four yet, but uh, just multiples of them in general. Um, throwing any sort of like just expendable troop with an invulnerable save, even just a five up invulnerable uh, in front of them, starts to really actually slow them down. Um, obviously, they're still going to actually kill models, and they'll eventually get through stuff. But when that, when you see the version of this that functions more like mono demons, where they have almost no ranged threat. Uh, yes, they think there's things like flamers and some psychic powers, but realistically, that that is not a shooty army. Um, and you can the keepers don't have fly. Yes, they're incredibly fast, but you can still try and move block them and funnel them, um, and either take them on one at a time if you need to, which is a, one of the only ways you properly deal with them in combat, or um, or just delay them enough that you'll be able to grind them down with attrition. Uh, so by having just this unit that is, I want to say it's it's the best shooting unit in the game. It, it that's arguable, I guess, but it, it's certainly it, it, it. Let's say it's just one of the best shooting units in the game. Um, the the satisfaction of of pouring all the stratagems and and abilities into into that noise marine unit um, is is just horrifically horrifically powerful. Um, Why don't you break down? Let's just yeah. Yeah, and and after we do that, I do have a question. But yeah, let's talk about why those noise marines are good. Like what? Because I mean, I have personally witnessed uh, that unit of noise marines shooting and killing two titans in one turn. Like yeah. I've, I've I've literally seen it. So um, yeah, let's talk about it. <clears throat> so it's and a lot of people. Um, so a lot of people are, have caught on and are aware and have seen them function. And then they still, I, I find at least from what I found, um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have seen it, there are people that just are completely unaware of what they do for whatever reason. I think part of that might just be because of the, the um, you, you, because obviously old models are needing to convert or third party or whatever, forge order, whatever it is, like they're not the easiest thing to get your hold your hands on. Um, you don't see many of them. Anyway, the essentially all of the potential buffs that you can put into that that unit each noise marine has a sonic blaster which is strength four ap nothing damage one ignores cover pretty pitiful on like the the base of it most people look at that sat line and just go they've got an, an uh, auto bolt rifle that ignores cover big whoop um they then have a emperor's children unique stratagem which is excruciating frequencies, which is plus one strength and plus one damage to all sonic blasters and blast masters in the in a in a unit of noise marines uh, for the phase. Um, they then have, like any chaos marine unit, they can benefit from veterans of the long war, which is plus one to wound. Uh, like any slanesh infantry unit or bike unit, they can benefit from endless cacophony, uh, which is essentially shoot twice. Um, which is even better than if they say just had six shots because you can be more flexible with how you're going to shoot them. But it's the equivalent of each each noise marine then going from three to six shots, obviously. Uh, and then you pair that with uh, things, psychic powers such as prescience um, for plus one to hit. Uh, pair it, obviously, just Lucius is in the list for, for a bubble of reliable reroll ones because when you're rolling almost 120 dice, uh, the reroll ones actually start to really add up. Um, and he actually starts to to make his points back. Um, and then 
Um, we can you can go on a just a crazy level, just adding buff upon buff upon buff. Uh, if you're shoot fighting demons and you've death hexed them, obviously it's just another like it's just another nail in the coffin for them as you're piling this shooting down. Um, but arguably, most importantly, uh, I I think the the relic, the remnant of the Maravigliar, um, is a once per game, essentially a once per game bubble of reroll to wound. Um, and the unit of noise marines at that point just yeah, when when you're firing close to it's not a, it's not quite 120. Obviously, there's only 19 in my unit because I had to actually drop one to make the the, the list fit in the points. Um, but you've got uh, over 100 strength five, AP nothing, ignores cover, damage two shots, um, with essentially hitting on twos with rerolls, or let's say they're they're hitting on threes because you didn't cast prescience, or maybe you wanted to to advance them so that they could get better in range, which is just another credit to them because their, their threat range then actually becomes a lot scarier than the, the 24 than you would expect. Um, it, it's just, it just drowns things in saves. Um, obviously no AP is, is an issue, but uh, other than that, I, they, they, they have very minimal weaknesses. Um, let's, there's a pair of- let's, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, strength five re-rolling to wound and why that's so powerful. Nick, do you want to break down that math for our, our list, our newer players at home. Nick, did we lose you? Sorry, I was muted. Um, but yeah, it means basically anything against like toughness eight Imperial Knights. You don't wound on sixes, you wound on fives. And with re-rolling to wound, fives re-rolling is actually a 55% pass rate. So you actually have like a really high, like over half of your wounds will wound like an Imperial Knight on 60 shots, or on a, in this case, 120 shots. That's just like over 60 something wounds you're going to kill a knight outright almost with the first volley of shooting then against like your vast majority of stuff in the game space marines are t4 tough space marines or bikers are t5 t5 is a, just a great place to be right now yeah so like even forced wound rerolling you get up to like 75 percent wounds right so which is incredible and and like i think you know mitchell alluded to the only thing that's really not good at is two plus saves it's probably not great Still well, that, gonna, Yeah, I gonna, do want to talk on that for just a second, though. The meta is chock full of two-up armor saves. Space Marines pack them in, in droves. So it's interesting to me that, Mitchell, you're taking a unit that re- relies on direct line-of-sight shooting and no AP to get work done in a world where there's lots of MSU two-up armor saves that hop from ruin to ruin running around. What's your thoughts on that? There's and it, yeah, it's def- definitely was a thought going into it. Um, to to add to the the math as well, they're they're also um and it 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 again helps when we go further with say those two up saves. Veterans of the long war means you're wounding some of these marine units. Uh, you're wounding something like a knight on fours even better. Uh, and uh and then wounding like basic marines on on essentially twos at that point. Sometimes even the re rolls are just overkill, uh, but it's essentially for larger T eight stuff. The the two up save. So my my biggest fear going into the event would was actually that essentially that a uh, that uh, if anyone with a really really well refined custody list um, that really really knew how to play it uh, decided to take that. Uh, they're having having stratagems to turn off re rolls to hit. And rerolls to wound, just like all rerolls uh, that that they have, um, is is a bit of an issue. Uh, but most other two up saves in the game, like using Vanguard Vets as an example, um, you're still you, you're you're the the kill potential obviously drops significantly 
but you're still pumping enough shots into these units that you should be like if so, if someone rears their head with a ten man vanguard vet unit, you you have still have the ability to try and shoot that ten man vanguard unit off the board. It feels way less efficient because for the most part it is, but in some of these marine armies as well. What are you even like actually seeing? And you're seeing one to two, maybe even someone's crazy and they're taking three ten man vanguard bet units. Um, maybe yeah, they're they're MSUing them all into into squads of five. But because of the way you're shooting the unit, if multiple of them rear their head, it, it's the same kind of concept. Um, you can still allocate a lot of shots into them. Um, anything with a three up save trying to benefit from cover to get that two up save isn't going to get it, which is a relief because a whole marine army all with a two up save would be an issue. Um, other, other than that, the, I, I find the, yeah, actually what what I said initially is probably the best way to sum it up. It's, it's significantly less efficient, but you are still just pumping so many shots into whatever you need to potentially kill that it's either going to still make it worthwhile or, uh, in part, this is where then say other aspects of the list come in. And you go, let's fight that with a keeper, or let's fight that with fiends, or let's fight that with demonets. Um, now, don't, one of don't the fight vanguard bets with demonets, but I'd, like other than that, like um, yeah. One one of the real advantages to that particular unit is there's so many numbers and so many rerolls and so many bonuses that it becomes very predictable on the outcome because you're rolling enough dice where you're going to get closer to you know average of what mm. you would expect to roll as opposed to you know like a last cannon right a last cannon has a huge range of outcomes when it fires because it does mm. d6 damage you know you've got to roll the hit you've got to roll the wound there's just a lot of things that can happen but when you fire this unit for example the same thing happens almost every time you fire it right what it what it looks at it, it probably dies like mm. realistically um, is that fair to say it's pretty fair i've, I've had at I've lost count of how many games I've played with Noise Marines in general, but uh, ironically, one a single game at the Masters event was the uh, the only um, the only time I've in recent memory had them whiff, for want of a better word, and and even then it wasn't. It was more just that they didn't do what was mathematically expected of them and or what I what I needed out of them. They still. Um, I can go, we'll go into that when we start talking more matchups because it's more about like, uh, like actual certain armies. Uh, but they, you, you are completely right. It, it, and again, it's why things like Lucius work their way into the army and why things like the relic work their way into the army. It's why things like at the beginning of early, early days of obviously eighth edition when like Gilliman Storm Raven was a thing, like that force multiplier of just here's more rerolls and here's more rerolls and here's more bullets and here's more shots and, and just, uh, throwing that that much stuff at a wall um re- really can it, it, yeah it's what's more reliable than that uh other, right. other than other than like things like a miracle dice like literally change like changing your results for you there there isn't really much of a way to be more reliable in the game at the moment all right so one thing i want to ask before i forget and I, i'm sorry for interrupting and i promise that- Nick, you'll get be able to get into the tactics of the list, but I wanted to bring this up because I think this list is a good example of it. And we'll just I'm going to sidetrack us for just a second, if I could. So bear with me. Um, as everybody, has, as I've alluded to before, I used to play another game, War Machine and Hordes. And one of the things that we sort of brought to the game through our podcast is we used to talk about this concept that balanced is the new broken. And what we meant by that was if you had a balanced list that could do a lot of things that 
you were it was more like in the past people would consider spam to be broken right like you would take the cheapest thing that was the most points efficient and you would spam it and then people would say that was broken and what we really tried to teach people was when you have options you have other ways to play the game and you have a balanced list now you have the broken list because you can adjust to any situation you don't have just a gear check so i I just wanted you guys to talk a little bit about because this list looks to me like you've taken that concept, which is I have a balanced approach to the game. I have a lot of different ways that I can approach it. I have a lot of different tools in my toolbox. Um, and we talk about this all the time anyway. So I'll let you jump in there, Mitchell or, or Nick, either one of you. <clears throat> well, I, I just want to echo your statement there, John. I think balanced approach has always been what we preached here at Art of War, and I com- could not agree more with the general philosophy on the list. And I think that's what we we often see with the people we get on our podcast. The the GT winners very rarely play like, here's my five knights or here's my triple keeper and shellaxi and and not unit of nine fiends. It's too all in. You typically do see these more balanced approach armies. Anyways, back onto this list though, I will say um, I you answered my question in part, Mitchell, about how you're using the noise marines with respect to the meta, where it's just the volume with the two damages, so it, it gets it done even through the two-up armor saves, which makes perfect sense. Within reason. But there's also a lot of walls in 40k, lots of ruins, mm-hmm. lots of things that block line of sight. And something like 10 Vanguard vets sitting behind a wall can't be charged by keepers, can't be shot by noise marines. As you said, demonets aren't the answer to that problem. And then from there, they can launch out and do crazy crippling damage to you. I don't want to make this specific about how to fight Vanguard Rats behind a wall, but how do you beat an assault unit behind a wall? In so, and, and part of that comes into, into to, to be honest, how I actually really like to play 40K at the moment. And um, uh, it's something that I always try to work into basically every Chaos Army. Um, I don't know if it's just a Chaos thing or uh, I, I, actually it's probably just a pretty general, general principle. Um, things like the Demonettes, things like the Fiends, things like, even to an extent, the keepers, though not maybe a little bit less, so they're a little bit more valuable, are all in part supposed to try and instigate trades as well. So it's not a case of so. And a, and a good example, knowing what the terrain was going to be like going into the event, we were running um, essentially a bunch of very very blocked off uh, Whalen Utani uh, style um, uh, ruins. Um, the all of them are like bottom floor blocked ruins, uh, uh, with four of them being essentially tall enough to to probably hide someone like Mortarian behind. If I'm being honest, um, and then a bunch of uh, smaller, again, bottom floor blocked ruins. The having the reliability, like it, it wasn't a case of being able to go. I'm just going to throw noise marines down your gut turn one. Uh, you have nothing to hide, blow them off the table or anything like that. Um, and I knew that wasn't going to be the case going into it with some either unless my opponents would make mistakes or I slash underestimate them. Uh, or, yeah, you had a plan for the walls. Not, you know, that's great to hear. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah, so, so essentially, and it's it's not a foolproof uh, proof plan either, knowing also that all the missions for the event uh, out of the seven games that we played, with one exception, which was an earlier mission, uh, had a lot of central objectives. The goal behind things like the demonettes and what we're seeing, what we were seeing at least in a WA meta as well, is a lot of the armies with units like that that I would need to kill don't quite have the same the same ranged threat. Uh, like they're they're not exactly gun lines that can just sit back and shoot sixty demonettes off the table in a single turn. 
uh, they're going like they're going to either have to engage with the, the small amount of range units that they have to to clear that job, or engage with say say a vanguard vet unit, whether it be a five man unit or a ten man unit, or whether they've combat squatted. Um, and at that point, it, it's a case of cool. You can play, you can try and play like an unengaged game, but I'm quick enough to take this front half of the table. I've got three twenty man unit, units of demonets that are fast enough and can zone out enough and string out enough that I can just keep sending them this obsec unit to the center part of the board if I want. Um, you don't want to really step out too far out of your deployment zone or a pair of keepers are going to jump on you. You don't want to step out of your deployment zone because a unit of noise marines is going to jump on you. Um, instead of just going down the, the I'm going to take, the, the, the what I've done in the past and what I've seen some other people do when they take, say, just the noise marines or even like a one-two punch of noise marines is you you don't really have anything to properly instigate that trade. So if they just want to, again, sit, as you said, sit out of line of sight and not fight you, they just sit out of line of sight and not fight you. Uh, or they'll fire, they'll have out of, in all line of sight guns themselves, or they'll have they'll have uh, bombers or uh, various stratagems or psychic powers. Or what, There's a million different ways in what actually ironically makes them probably balanced is the fact that there are actually lots of different tools to, to mess up their day. But um the the whole point of then taking essentially the demon aspect alongside it is to try and mitigate that as far as possible and then the noise marines are essentially there to give the demons the ranged threat that they otherwise don't have um because it's practically non-existent uh, like otherwise I think that's a, that's a great answer. Basically, instead of instead of having the delusion that you're actually going to shoot with these noise marines on the table, the opponent, you're basically putting them between a rock and a hard place. It's like, fine, mm -hmm. if you want to hide, you can. I can't stop you. But if you're hiding with respect to the specific mission set you were playing and all that, you're not on the objectives. And I'm going to be on them with these demonets that are obsec. And if you, you can't kill that with random rhino stormbolter fire, you got to step outside of the ruin with your plasma inceptors or charge me with your vanguard rats charge into the open and get charged by keepers or shot by noise marines and basically just rinse and repeat from that process is that so pretty much played, the idea? that's pretty much the idea we, we played um the the round two mission was overrun um which we, is obviously the one with uh uh three quite deep drawn of war deployment with three objectives quite deep in each deployment and that's probably the worst mission for that concept. Whenever I play that, it's always like, a, uh, but my, the whole way I want to play doesn't really function properly on it. And I have to, I have to either just essentially, I'll be honest, quite partially hope that you, you don't get a matchup that is going to cause problems in that regard. Um, but other than that, you have a, a, most of the missions in the game in general, in terms of in the, in the, the tournament pack at the moment um and what we're commonly being seeing run at events that i've been seeing at least is is ones with more more focus on controlling either the center of the table or if not literally the center the kind of middle line or so like an area where if you want to step out and control that area you are going to be in range of slanesh demons charging you um so yeah I guess one other question I had, and this is because I've played Mark Perry a lot and he's in love with the noise Marines and I've played a lot against them. I find that one thing that they struggle with is that they, they front load all their damage. They want to have one super turn where they pick up all of the things. And if you give that to them, it's going to be awesome. Mm. But realistically, if the noise Marine squad 
only kills 10 Vanguard veterans in the game, that's still a win for you. It's a bad trade. Yeah, it's a bad trade. Yeah. So how it's because you know armies are made up with five man vanguard here, sanguinary guard over here, this small thing over here. Armies are MSU right now, multiple small units, and the noise marines want big chunks like Imperial Knights to kill. How do you evaluate how to trade with them and when to commit with them? And you, you, you and Pi just have to have to read the game. Um, And there's there is also merit in trying to because when you so when you use that relic, the the remnant of the Maravichlia, um. It's at the start of the battle round instead of instead of doing the the chance litany prayer thing for the dark apostle, um, and part of that it's almost at that point playing a very mild psychological game with your opponent as well, where you activate that and then they go, oh god, he's he's got a plan for him, um, and you can in part use that to I, I, I I've done that before where they they essentially go i'm going to turtle up for a turn i'm going to play kg again for a turn because i can't risk what like uh, like haha you you fooled yourself i didn't come out and fight you and uh you wasted your relic but then you inside are going i'm cool with wasting my relic if you're basically going to do like give up a turn or close to a turn obviously that's um something you then have to you really have to gauge the timing of that perfectly and that's probably one of the hardest things about using that relic is you've got this once per game like miracle thing to call on uh that if you waste it cool there's there's no kind of equivalent for it um even without the flat reroll to wound obviously they're still quite a devastating shooting unit regardless um uh, but it's it's yeah yeah not as reliable as obviously what we've been been talking about the again like i was saying before you're you're just trying to pull as much of your opponent's army out as possible so that they can uh they they can deal with as much as they can uh, another one that i otherwise try to do with them but it's very matchup dependent um like it, it it's something that I, I wouldn't do against marines or anything with multiple wounds in a decent save um is when you're using them almost more aggressively more suicidally and throwing them straight up the guts at whatever turn they you do it uh very rarely it'll be turn one but occasionally it might be might be opening stages of the game occasionally it might be halfway through a game um and using their ability that i completely kind of forgot to touch on uh if people weren't aware noise marines automatically make a a shooting attack on death um so against certain certain um profiles uh, and certain targets, they can actually do a hell of a lot of damage on the return when your opponent kills them. Um, also, if they're as much as they are definitely not tough, they are one wound space marines with a three plus armor save. You can get them a five up through on the pain, but that's about as tough as you get them. They still require some level of of investment to kill, and that's investment that's then not being shot into the sixty demonets or the two keepers as well. Um, the they also benefit from essentially any of their buffs on that free shoot so if you have popped the remnant you're, you're only strength four and damage one instead of strength five and damage two and you're obviously not shooting twice but you're still traditionally say benefiting from pre- presence the previous turn or the reroll ones uh, and potentially the reroll wounds and there's nothing that your opponent can do to stop that other than just keep hiding but at, at that point surely they want to in some way or another come out and fight you as well um a, a good way of summing it up i'm rambling about the noise marines a little bit is that as important as I think they are to the army, they're not 
it's try it's also trying not to necessarily make it the be all and end all of the noise marines as well um that hence things like the actual like actual keepers being there being able to do a hell of a lot of work despite only being two models this episode is brought to you by hp instant ink no one is reading your mind but hp instant ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges so you never have to think about ink save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. So let's, yeah, let's, I think we've spent a good solid 20 minutes talking about noise marines. And to be fair, noise marines require that much detail, but Mm -hmm. there is the rest of the army here. How does the army, I'm trying to imagine how it deploys and plays on the table, because there's just all this obsec stuff running around. I'm, I'm hesitant to refer to demonets as garbage. They're, they are certainly not. They can beat up cheap skirmishers and even threaten like five-man intercessor squads and things of that nature. But they're not killing everything. They are certainly... Yeah, definitely not. They're, they're not a... Um, go, going into it, um, I was considering taking two units of 30 because uh, they get a benefit of a bonus attack if you're ever above 20. But the role for the unit is to again trade, and the role for the unit is to be a uh, trade efficiently. And it's 150 points for for uh, 20 of them with an icon. Their movement seven, they get plus one to advance and charge. Um, they can advance and, and charge if they're within six of a key because of the mono slash detachment. They are quite fast, expendable obsec troops that have an invulnerable save. Um, the invulnerable save alone. As much as it's just a basic five up on a three T three troop, is enough to skew certain things. Fighting them, if that makes any sense. Um, there are games where I was throwing them into into unkillable lords of change, and then the unkillable lord of change is kind of just stuck there, going, "Oh well, there's these obsec demonets that are strung out onto one or even two objectives, uh, and I'm sitting here chipping away, killing like three a turn at most. Uh, maybe then a couple more in the psychic phase, but not not by much." The um the usually the the twenty demonet units are small enough in part to actually take up quite a small amount of space behind a, a ignoring line of sight ruin. Um, most of the, most of the missions or deployments would consistently have three areas of the table that you can try and hide units like that. So it would be a case of deploying one behind each ruin, or um, it, for the most part. You, you would have the options to to hide pretty much the entire army from any gunline element if you needed. Uh, you might be a little bit out of position if you really needed to do that or against armies that, because uh, I played a couple d- demon mirror match equivalents or very stereotypical uh, demon lists that really don't have the equivalent range firepower in them, um, where you can deploy, I guess, on that line of scrimmage, I guess, the the edge of your deployment zone more comfortably. And then from turn one onwards, you can again you can move onto those center objectives. You can take that center part of the table if you need, um, and then you can, uh, as I was saying earlier, go. I'm just going to throw one twenty man unit up. They have to come out and deal with this unit, or they're just going to score points if they don't come out and deal with this unit. Uh, uh, or if they do, I've got another unit to send up, and then whatever other unit to to counter into whatever whatever has come forward to fight them. Um, the usually it will be a relatively symmetrical deployment. Um, trying to the, the locus for advancing charge is only from the two keepers. That is a little bit of a weakness. There's no backfield hidden character to 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 proc it. 
Uh, so you do want to make sure those kids are still. The last sentence you just said it went totally silent for me. John, did that happen for you? All good. Um, The I'll just repeat exactly what I was saying. The the keepers um, are usually able to play quite symmetrically. The keepers have their six inch bubble, the locus of advance and charge. So you want to. Uh, it shouldn't be underestimated, obviously, on themselves. They always benefit from it. But things like the Fiends being movement 14 and Beasts so that they can uh, move through well, uh, move through breachable terrain and move through ruins uh, means that their threat range is, is pr- pretty horrific. The, um, so, yeah, you, 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 it, it, I, I'm going to say that it deploys more symmetrically because for the most part it does, but it's got options to... Are you, are you typically actively... Keeping your army at a line of sight as best as possible, um, even at the cost of distance or getting closer to the enemy, or are you just shoving everything into the middle? Like, it, kinda... it, uh, it's kind of 50-50. Um, it, it'll honestly depend on the matchup because there's there, there'll be times where, obviously, you can't avoid it because your opponent has that ignoring out of line of sight guns. There'll be times where, um, like in, in, in part, things like the Harlequin matchup, um, I, I found I, I'll need to actually deploy more more openly anyway um in part to try and zone out things like fusion boats actually getting into range of of keepers um and it means you're going to just take hits from things like haywire bikes but it's you the 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 alternative is far worse so you just have to take it on the chin um the things like the tactical redeploy for any empress children unit um the tactical perfection one cp to redeploy a unit after the first battle round is just worth its weight in gold i did that probably half of the event um because it's just yeah like i think um empress children in general have some really phenomenal strats but no one ever pays them much attention do you want to just kind of highlight the strats you used and how you built around them uh, ironically uh, as much of a combat as it is, I kind of use almost all of them. Um, but there's, so there's the, as I just said, there's the redeploy one CP, um, after the, after the roll for turn one, um, before the first battle round redeploy single emperor's children unit anywhere in your deployment zone. Uh, not that I used it, but if they have the ability to deep strike, you can actually redeploy them into deep strike, which is just a great, so it's a great stratagem. The what everyone kind of underestimates a little bit with the noise marines is that by they are by no means a like an amazing combat unit, but they are still like veteran marines with two attacks each, and then obviously a third attack from shock assault. The uh, the emperor's children combat strats you have honor the prince, which is retroactively change a dice roll from your charge roll to a six. So you roll a one and a six, you change that one to a six, and all of a sudden you have a magical twelve inch charge. You, it's like a, it's a miracle dice equivalent one CP only for charge rolls, but done after the fact, which is pretty great. Uh, so their their threat range alone can actually be a, a lot larger than you would expect, uh, to the point where they'll gun something down in the shooting phase after moving and warp, hopefully casting warp time on them, and then potentially get some really long charges off on whether it be just a chaff unit or a vehicle that you want to wrap or there's a million various targets that they're actually semi-decent to kind of engage with and then they don't mind as i'm describing this this is not necessarily something you do every game with them by any means but they've got a fair bit more versatility than say like a classic devastator centurion unit where it's like what do you do you just shoot there no no fight in combat at all um they've got a stratagem for any sixes to wound or ap negative three 
um, or resolved at AP negative three, like a uh, similar to the rest of the Sinesh attacks, almost gene sealer claw equivalent strat, uh, which for a unit with bulk attacks that are still potentially benefiting from reroll to wound in the combat phase if someone's trying to tag you up, um, actually does does some work. Um, and then they have a, a there's a weird stratagem for them that I've still used quite regularly, uh, which is for every attack that you uh, for every model that you slay, you generate an additional attack. Um, and as as per the the fact that it hasn't been FAQ'd and the fact that the wording's different, as far as I'm aware and as far as the TOs in WA at least have been allowing it, uh, that doesn't actually theoretically have a cap. Um, so basically for every model that you kill, you generate an additional attack and you can theoretically keep going um, until that's either properly addressed or any of the TOs say otherwise. Um, might be a bit different in different regions, but uh, that's but, but it, it 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 gives all these Emperor's Children units a lot of flex. The honor the print stratagem, for example, just being able to be used with a character. Uh, Lucius is no slouch in combat against other characters in particular. Um, so when someone goes, oh, I'm like it'll be like a ten inch charge for Lucius. I feel pretty safe. Uh, they should feel significantly less safe. Uh, the things like the 17-man cultist unit uh, can spend two CP turn one to Tide of Traders, and then also use on the prince to try and get into combat from turn one, two, three, four, five, like whatever turn you want. And no one expects just this, as much as it's only 17 cultists, it, it, it's really nothing special. No one expects a unit literally just rocking up from any board edge and then all but guaranteeing a charge. Yes, it three cp but that can be really enough to throw throwing just an obsec unit onto almost any objective on the table if your opponent hasn't screened them out correctly and going now nah, that's five less for the primary for you or or potentially 10 less if you could somehow string them out onto multiple objectives depending on on what mission it is um that that in its its own people either aren't aware of or when they are it's something that's really annoying to kind of factor in because you you feel like you, you you don't want to be spaced out against this army so that i can draw a line of sight to you you don't want to be spaced out so that individual units of fiends and keepers can can individually fight stuff but you don't want just a nothing unit rocking up out of nowhere and stealing a huge chunk of points off you either um and they can theoretically do it at, on just any turn yeah it makes perfect sense to me i think the it just the whole repertoire of strats you have with on the prince making charges look easy out of reserve or just um, charging unexpected distances. No one expects Lucius charging 16 inches very easily and then smashing some people in the face. That's just not mm. a thing, but it is, it is. Um, I also think that a really underrated thing is how, just how annoying your army is, is to fight in close combat. Your, your whole army is always strikes first. You have all these strats to reduce attacks from the enemy models so do you ever like invite people to come charge you and then kick their ass for it uh, and with with no disrespect to anyone that i've played against the army i find people genuinely actually really struggle uh not everyone but a lot of people genuinely really struggle getting to that phase um particularly playing against a lot of uh uh playing against a lot of harlequins playing against a lot of demons playing against a lot of armies that are for the most part want to try and engage in combat in some way or another uh people in, in some way or another people aren't prepared for it and you see people over committing as well throwing 
more combats into into more combats than they should. And in part, you, sometimes you can't blame them. Sometimes they feel like damned if they do, damned if they don't, because if they don't engage, they're just going to get charged the next turn anyway. Um, and yeah, just having a field day with who do you fight with first? Who do you who do you risk losing? Um, for, just as a very basic example, one of the games at the the event, I had my opponent charge a unit of a Harlequin troop into a Keeper of Secrets, and then another Harlequin troop into one of the twenty man Demonet units. And he attacked obviously the Keeper of Secrets first, and ended up killing the Keeper. This is on the last turn of the game, but then the twenty Demonets attacked back and high rolled a little bit, but killed seven Harlequins. And all of a sudden, this 10-man Harlequin unit that would clean up a 20-man Demonet unit with no problem at whatsoever um, is just sitting there without the numbers to finish off this unit. And I still have the objective um, and then score more for him and max out the primary in the following turn. And, yeah, it's just it's really problematic. Um, Even things like all the regular Marines benefiting from it, uh, it, it it feels like for anyone that's aware of how combat works in Age of Sigma, where you where you um, it's just alternating combat. Um, it, it basically feels like you're playing Age of Sigma combat. And as someone that also plays Age of Sigma alongside side 40k, it's one of those weird times where by sometimes playing other things, you feel a little bit uh, already um, prepared to to deal with it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it also yeah. lets you be a little bit more aggressive with your CP usage because you're not spending two to have an interrupt in the pocket if you need. Yeah, to that basically doesn't exist. Like it, that, that's the that's the funny part about it is yeah, at no point are you like it's a little bit like how when you have Gaze of Fate as a Zenithal Thousand Sun Army, you go, cool, that's just one less CP I have to use on on rerolls to turn, and it it actually, it actually adds up and is really good. Oh, it really does. That's it's a really nice quality life upgrade there. I guess the last question I have uh, while we're on part one talking about strategy and tactics and all that is basically what is your overall approach to secondaries with this mission? We talked a lot about primary where you're just mm. playing typically the missions where there's middle objectives, you're trading really well, and your whole army's obsec. That's not hard to see. But the uh, secondaries. So in part, I'll start with kind of a, what the army gives away in part. And it got, I wrote the list just before the new FAQ dropped, which we obviously used for the event and was like, ah, a whore the witch might be a little annoying. If someone managed to kill both keepers, that's 10 points. That's pretty, pretty annoying. And if they somehow kill the sorcerer as well, which you're not aiming to give away, but obviously not, like can happen. Uh, that's 15 points there. And then kind of got saved by the bell out of nowhere with then a, then that changing from a 15-point uh, swing for three psychers to obviously nine, um, which is pretty damn great, uh, for, for me at least. Um, less so for all the people without psychers. Um, the, in terms of what I was then taking in the game, um, you, for, for myself, usually, because the army itself doesn't really give away much else other than thin their ranks a little bit, but it's not, it, it, unless I'm tired of trading early. It, it, and getting literally tables, it, it doesn't give away. It doesn't. It doesn't max it out either. Right. Um, I'm I, more interested in what you're specifically taking. Since yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, f- I find pretty much every game I was taking either engagement or front of domination, uh, with pretty much no exception. Uh, just dictating depending on what the table was, where and where the objectives were. I think missions like sweep and clear, missions like battle lines, where there's less than six objectives, domination, in my view, is always a bit of a no-brainer for a army with fast objective-secured troops that uh, can just, again, move up to that space and try and instigate your opponent to come out, where engage, you, you might 
potentially actually go too far. So uh, engage is more a fallback when domination isn't the right one to do. Um, the But, uh, again, there's a lot of missions in the game at the moment with less than six objectives, arguably, or even when they've got six objectives, it might be a case of you've got two in your deployment zone and two centre ones that are, for the most part, pretty central. Um, in addition to that, uh, this was a little bit more of a quirk of chance, but uh, at, at the time and in a lot of practice games as well, I've been playing against a lot of armies. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just a, a specifically Perth thing or if it's just uh, something that's turning happening in the meta and people aren't really realizing. Um, I found I was taking Assassinate like every second game uh, or so. Uh, the army has a lot of potential to actually achieve it in terms of obviously the movement from Keepers and things and Fiends and even to a lesser extent Demonettes. And I was playing against a lot of armies with characters that engage, like that have to engage with the game as well. Um, uh, a lot of practice games against Sisters within reason, it was either call all your random little support characters aren't where you want them or you are risking giving, they are where you want them, but you're risking giving away three points every time I kill a creature or I kill a cannoness or I kill uh, Celestine as hard as that can sometimes be. Uh, you, you get the idea. Um, and then in addition to that, it would usually be, uh, there, there was kind of no go-to. The, the only real go-to with the army, just because of how, obviously how fast it moves and the goal for controlling the board was always domination and engagement on fronts. Um, the, the, the rest really kind of came down to the mission and the matchup. Um, a lot of the mission specifics that were, again, very board control dependent, uh, things like data inset, intercept in vital intelligence. Um, and I think it's center, is it center ground or, or something in sweep and clear? There's a couple that are just kind of no brainers because while you're, if you're going to be scoring well on the primary anyway, you may as well, may as well take them. Um, if that's your, that's your goal. Um, this, the five furies, if that's not completely obvious, just being a five, really cheap five man infantry unit with deep strike, um, are there to take scramblers as a backup. Um, cause they've got the Dark Disciples and the Cultists to cover other aspects of the board. So they were uh, just a relatively reliable version of that. There's also a bit of um, having just, think, again, things also like those Dark Disciples and and uh, Furies. I've got enough units to plant banners if I ever want to take raise the banners. And uh, in uh, as I was kind of saying before, those missions that I'll struggle with where there aren't central objectives, one of the options that I guess you have to play with that is go, I'm going to just raise three banners in my deployment zone or two banners in my deployment zone or whatever it is and try and send fiends out early to uproot yours if they try to counter and do the same thing and just play a really cagey, unengaged game and just try to edge them out. Uh, obviously, that's not always going to work. Things like Necrons with their weird uh, anti-recon secondary, it's not going to work against. But, uh, yeah, that that's that's secondaries for me, basically. It, it's It's less... It's less specific than a lot of people like to have it, where people usually have almost two go-tos and then we'll, we'll pick a third. Uh, I was finding myself being either a, a little bit, a little lucky in some ways, I guess, with, with matchups, but also trying to just be incredibly flexible with it um, and, and taking. I think it's really interesting that you just, you haven't gone for the normal go-tos that people always are. You're not always doing engage in all fronts, or at least that wasn't something that you're banking on. You're not even really trying to do scramblers from the sounds of it. You're focused on uh, things like banners and assassinate, which, you know, that, that works in some missions and works in very specific ones. But did you ever find that, like, all right, you're playing Space Marines, there's not a good mission specific secondary, so I guess you're SOL? 
The um, w- what do you mean by SRL? Uh, stuff out of luck. <laughs> ah, okay, cool. Sorry, all good. I'd, I'd never actually heard that before. Um, the um, so it in part. Uh, so I haven't actually had that happen to me yet to actually answer the question. The but you definitely start scraping the bottom of the barrel, right? Um, there would be there'd be times where you're you're taking what what will usually happen to me in those instances is I just start taking high more high risk secondaries that I don't like taking things like grind them down um, things like uh, obviously I hinted on scramblers as like a, as a backup um, and again trying to just draw parity on those secondaries and win on the primary but I, I don't I don't like doing that but I haven't had uh, any issues with doing that so far but I understand that I'm treading a very fine line uh, with things like grind them like because grind them down against certain marine builds uh, is particularly my army looks like it's got a lot of stuff to it but it doesn't actually give away a lot of like unit kills no in a it's a lot of like this is a unit of 20 models so it can be on three objectives at once but it's only one kill for grind them down yeah um, so it's, even scoring something like nine off grind them down isn't terrible um, things like as I was saying, t- touching on domination before, uh, I think domination just gets a bad rap because pe- there are some missions that it's obviously just terrible in. But the, the I, I I don't know what it is. I just feel people don't actually really give it the respect it's due in certain. I think it also it where, competes with engaging all fronts, and engaging all mm, fronts is something a lot of people like to build for, so they feel safe mm, with it. I the, also think domination is a great choice a lot of the time. I, I find it's just a more it's a, a more like consistent twelve, um, if not fifteen in in some cases. Where with engage, usually there'll be that one turn where you don't want to overextend. I find it's like a good minimum nine in most missions. Like, are you not going to be on the objectives by the end of your turn? Yeah, yeah, it, it's really straightforward to do. Um, again, particularly okay. in battle lines and equivalents. So one thing I think is worth talking about. Let's talk about. You know, we we always talk about in these discussions what you know missions or secondaries you're trying to accomplish, but what does your list give up? Because that informs our decisions, right? Like if you only score nine on a secondary, that's not a big deal if you hold your opponent to three on one of their secondaries. You know what I mean? Um, because it's always a balance. You just have to outscore your opponent. You don't have to score a maximum score, right? Um, yeah. If you're if you're playing to win. So what is, what does your list give up? Like, like tip in a typical game, how many secondary points does your list give up, you know, against a wide breadth of opponents? I'm kind of curious. So, so I accidentally hinted on that, uh, obviously before. Uh, so abhor the witch for a very small amount of time was a problem. Now, no longer a problem. It only, it, uh, I guess you could argue giving up nine isn't necessarily ideal. It's giving your opponent an option, but realistically, if you the worst really hard, yeah, that's the worst for yeah. keepers just die. If you're losing the that's that's such high risk for your opponent. Some armies obviously can't do it. I feel as though that's basically it's basically a write-off. Um, thin their ranks is obviously the other. There's six points out of the demonettes. There's essentially almost three points out between the cultists and the characters. There's another three points. There's another two points out of the noise marines, and each keeper's worth one. Um, that's consistently one that I found almost every single opponent took against me for either their gain or loss, depending on. How you saw it, I think the most anyone scored out of it off me was 13, which was is almost, which I think, you know, that actually is the max score um, when I was, there, there are games where essentially you were tabled at the end of it, but it doesn't matter. You can, again, control the table for long enough um, that it's it's actually totally fine. 
Um, the Assassinate is obviously another one, five characters. I, I personally always like building lists almost with just like just on the nose, but like ever so just out of reach as well. So going, yeah, I'm going to take, I'm going to take five characters knowing that two of those characters are, should never really be in harm's way. Um, so if you're a point like, and they don't, they don't have a need, the sorcerer and the dark apostle being the ones I'm referring to, they don't have a real need to be. So if your opponent is, is taking assassinate cool, like super high risk for them. And in some cases they might not even, they might not even then really think that there's a better secondary choice, if that makes any sense. Um, the dark apostle was the warlord. So, uh, things like crazy cut the head and, and definitely not giving that away. Um, what else? Uh, again, grind them down. Isn't really an issue. Um, None of the other like uh, like Achilles stratagems are inherently an issue. Uh, oh, sorry, our secondaries are an issue. And um, with how the army wants to control the table, I found people were uh, sometimes a little bit stuck for what uh, a lot of people took scramblers against me, um, which I thought was an interest, interesting choice um, because again, I do in part have the bodies to try and zone out a lot of the table. Um, another one that I you catch people out with every now and then is obviously the noise marines dying and shooting the unit that's deployed scramblers as well um if they haven't positioned it right the um victim to trying to hold an objective during my turn and then having noise marines shoot me off in the middle of my turn so that's a real and and people just forget about it like you can tell them to their face multiple times and they still just don't plan for it because you gotta see it to believe it you know experience it to understand it it feels about as close as you can get to playing Harlequins as Chaos is how I've summed this army up. Where no, not not in in some ways because it's actually kind of similar, but in terms of like the the speed on certain units and and obsec like units with a lot of lot of attacks and stuff. It's, it it is still obviously quite different. But what I'm also mean by that is the army just does things that literally no other army has has the ability to do. Um, so people just are not are not prepared for it whatsoever um yeah. even after like multiple if you play against any variety of space marine armies it's still going to do what space marines do yeah if you play against this you know this is just a it's a one and done kind of thing there's no mm. like it so mitchell do you do you find you get an advantage from that so i found in my wargaming career that having complexity in your list gives you an advantage because there's all these mini games that you play within the game and if your opponent doesn't play the mini game well because they don't have experience playing that game i.e shooting noise marines at the right time or you know having things in places where you know what the noise marines can shoot and it doesn't screw up your ability to score that kind of thing do you feel like that was one of the strengths of the list there's uh like definitely if if i'm being perfectly honest uh there's it's and i I totally get what you're saying in in that regard it's what i alluded to earlier in terms of when you actually play um not necessarily every game under the sun i think you then lose a lot of focus but um looking at like even two or three game systems in general it's creative problem solving right like you you build a repertoire of how do i work my way out of this situation instead of what have i always just done doing x um and in part this army kind of functions like that if if you don't mind me going through the list like uh, it's kind of a go through of the list again almost every single unit in the army has some weird rule that is completely unique to it there are there are some exceptions things like the demonettes aren't necessarily that unique though they arguably are for their points cost 
Uh, but things like fiends, um, you can't fall back from unless you have the fly keyword. Like just straight, you cannot fall back from them. So having a unit that does that, uh, it, it is just nice to have in the repertoire, whether it be you holding a, a, a unit in place for a turn so that it can't move onto an objective or charge your unit of noise marines or uh, or so that like a, maybe a psychic character is stuck having to to throw all of its psychic powers into a unit of fiends instead of being able to move freely. Um, or the uh, things like obviously, the, I, I won't go into the keepers in huge detail. They're, they're pretty well documented. Uh, but the keepers obviously function with with things like the stratagem for negative one attack being negative one to hit in combat already, Shalaxi being negative one to wound in combat a lot of people don't prepare for. So again, in an environment where people have a lot of these really strong counter-punch, counter-charge units, they actually really struggle to kill uh, Shalaxi. Things like the Noise Marines I've hinted on it for, in a million different ways as well. Uh, the Dark Apostle, I ended up giving, not that this is unique to the Dark Apostle, but I ended up giving him the Warlord trait for negative any enemy units within one or any enemy models within one are negative D3 attacks. And it's just another, I actually, I totally forgot to touch on this as well. Empress Jewel can have a six inch heroic intervention stratagem. So it's just another random little thing. You can tell your opponent all of these things. You can go through the list in, in so much detail, but there's little interactions that just, when was the last time you played against another army that had bulk, like negative it to your attacks, for example. And then when a frozen stars Harlequin unit is hitting you with five attacks each, but you go negative D3 for this character and oh look, you're within three of the unit of demonets as well. Negative one for them. Oh look, your Harlequins have one attack each. And they're like, what? It's just, it's not, it's not something they have to deal with. Um, it can be, it can be very interesting to play as well. Um, like I was playing on the clock, um, even though it actually technically wasn't being enforced at the event every game. And if you're doing the, things like a chess clock or a death clock very um uh well properly you 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 put you tap that clock so many times just for noise marines alone uh but yeah it, it's to sorry to go back to actually answering the question as well it's definitely uh unless you are actually prepared or have some level of experience fighting it it always feels as though you have that slight slight edge um because they're just you're you're aware of something that they're not right and they're they're trying to work out the puzzle in the game and you're already like a couple moves ahead that that probably sounds like super pretentious yeah, you've done all your homework for weeks and weeks and weeks on your own time developing yeah. and testing it and all that and mm. your opponent who has little to no experience against it has to basically put together all your combos and strategies on the fly while trying to play beat you in 40k that's yeah. not realistic it's 40k is one and lost a lot of time in the homework phase of the game which is what you do before you get to a tournament what you're doing right now listening to this podcast and um that's if you're not doing the homework if you come to this unprepared you are going to just lose so yeah it's not much people have a better thing. it's about your more experience than your opponent is in this particular escapade yeah definitely yeah, I think John, that, anything else you wanted to ask? No, I just I think that's that's really cool. It's one of the cool things. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion in part two because of all the intricacies in this list. I think we're going to learn a lot of uh, details. What do you think, Nick? Absolutely, Mitch. Thanks so much for coming on. It seems like you've really thought through your Chaos Chain Tank army. I know we've had you on before to play some weird Black Legion nonsense. We just had TJ Lanigan on to talk about Death Card and a different build just won an Australian tournament next week which we'll have on matt marisoli so 
Uh, Chaos is in great shape right now, and a lot of different builds are doing uh, particularly awesome. So I'm super happy to see it. Thanks so much for coming on, and we will see you all in part two. All right. This is the part where I tell you, sign up for our Patreon or go to theartofwar40k.com to to sign up for the podcast so that you guys can hear part two where we're going to get into the nitty-gritty, dirty details of optimal play with this really interesting list. For all you patrons and uh, podcast supporters, we'll see you in part two. For everyone else, we'll see you next week. Like the strategy discussion you heard? Want to hear more about the tactics of this list? Sign up for our Patreon at AOW40K.com, where we go deep into details of optimal play. This has been Art of War, a strategy and tactics podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Nick Nanavati and John Damaris. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Find us at AOW40K.com. And of course, connect on Facebook. Just look for AOW40K. AOW40K.